0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the History Vision podcast. Um, when we last left you, the first major confrontation crisis uh, of the Cold War had ended with the successful airlifting of supplies into Berlin uh, over throwing overhauling Stalin's blockade of the city uh, and maintaining the capitalist presence in Berlin and and protecting its citizens from that aggression from the Soviet Union. Today we're going to discuss the consequences or some of the consequences of that aggression and that first crisis. And we're primarily going to be looking at the formation of NATO and then the subsequent formation of the Warsaw Pact a few years later. So the Berlin blockade, just to kind of put this into context and just remind ourselves of where we've come from, was the most obvious evidence of the threat posed to the West by Soviet expansion and ambitions in Europe. Western European nations had already started moving towards collective security with a number of nations including France and Belgium signing the Treaty of Brussels in 1948 and in that they pledged to support each other in matters of defence and security. So this fear, this, uh, these growing concerns about the Soviet Union and the possibility that they were going to seek to expand further not just in the, what became known as the Eastern Bloc um, those territories like Poland and Romania that they'd consolidated or taken control of uh, after World War II, there were these fears that actually the Soviet Union might seek to expand their influence, but beyond uh, the line, we, which Winston Churchill named the Iron Curtain, um, and the Berlin Blockade really suggested that. That was Stalin Lane came not just up to West Berlin, but also uh, in hoping to get hold of West Berlin. He was hoping then to to take control of the whole of Germany and prove that a divided Germany uh, wouldn't work. Um, So that aggression from the Soviet Union in the Berlin blockade, one of its key outcomes, was that it convinced the USA and Truman to support uh, Western Europe in in these matters of defense and security. Um, And that is really the reason why you get this new treaty uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization or NATO uh, which was established to protect the West and to offer America's support in defending the West against any further acts of Soviet aggression. Um, now this was significant because if you remember America previously had an isolationist stance to its foreign policy and what that meant was it wasn't going to get involved in foreign affairs and since the end of World War II that isolationist stance has slowly been undermined and America now was very much on the footing of an interventionist stance i.e. it was going to heavily intervene in world affairs to ensure that communism wouldn't spread further. So this is yet another step towards that interventionist stance building on um, decisions like the Truman Doctrine which very much declared America's intention to be more interventionist. so, as I said, yeah, the Truman Doctrine and martial aid were the first two major steps towards this, but NATO really confirmed that approach even further because it's committing not just politically and economically to supporting the West and the rest of the world, but also militarily supporting them um, as well. So, NATO was established in Washington on the 4th of April 1949, so towards the end of the blockade, but while it was still going on. Uh, and it was a military alliance of capitalist countries from the northern hemisphere and the idea here was one of collective security i.e if one nato member was attacked all the other members of nato would come together to help defend it and so the ussr was faced now with the prospect of if it intended to act aggressively towards one nation it wouldn't just be fighting against that nation it would be fighting against the collective force of a whole number of nations including of course now america Um, the original members were usa canada britain france holland belgium Norway, Iceland, Luxembourg, Denmark, Italy, and Portugal. And they were later joined in 1952 by Greece and Turkey. So thinking about why this was established, kind of just reaffirm what we've already said. As previously stated, the Soviet expansion in creating a buffer zone in Eastern Europe to protect itself from attack, increase the threat that they would do the same with Western Europe, that fear that they would just push that boundary further and take more Western European countries in. So as part of NATO, those smaller countries who might well be vulnerable to Soviet expansion um, would be better prepared to, to repel acts of aggression like the Berlin blockade. The formation of NATO was also beneficial to America because it now had allies much closer to the Soviet Union, where it could place soldiers, weaponry, forces that would make it um, those nations more effective in defending themselves in the event of a Soviet attack. Now the intention of NATO however was to be a defensive alliance. This wasn't a unifying of these nations in order to prepare to attack the Soviet Union. They were there to defend themselves if they were attacked. However, that's not how the USSR saw it. The USSR saw this as the West allying itself against The USSR in a military fashion. So they perceived this very much as an aggressive action. However, there wasn't an immediate response from the Soviet Union. NATO formed in 1949. Um, The eventual response from the Soviet Union came in 1955 with the formation of the Warsaw Pact. Now the reason that it took so long for the Warsaw Pact to be created was that actually there was a key moment that really made up the mind of the Soviet Union, that it needed to establish its own defensive alliance. And that was when West Germany joined NATO in 1955. So if you remember after World War Two, unsurprisingly, the USSR desired Germany to be weak. It had been invaded by Germany in World War One and World War Two, causing tens of millions of deaths and count, you know, countless uh, the destruction was uh, almost unimaginable in terms of costs, in terms of live li- livelihoods, and so on and so forth. So now the USSR is, is finding itself posed, and not just a, a Germany that's being helped to recover economically by, this, uh, by America. It now seems to be being re- rebuilt militarily. And you have a Germany that's now being backed with the full might of NATO's nuclear arsenal. Now, from a Western perspective, and you know, with hindsight, we know that Germany <clears throat> has evolved into a democratic, prosperous, peaceful nation. But this was only uh, 10 years after the end of World War II, and. Many of the fascists and people involved within the Nazi party still lived in Germany and still worked in Germany. You know, the hierarchy had been prosecuted and so on. But for the Soviet Union, we're seeing Germany, the power that invaded and caused tens of millions of deaths only 10 years earlier, now being backed, not only militarily, but potentially being given nuclear weapons. And you can understand why that would be a terrifying prospect um, for the Soviet Union. So Khrushchev, uh, who was now emerging as the leader in 1955, Stalin's died in 1953, Khrushchev is beginning to move towards being the sole leader in 1955, needed to show that he was was acting and reacting to this, this event of West Germany being... A member of NATO. And so he formed his own uh, military alliance of communist countries and that was the Warsaw Pact in 1955. It also relied on the theory of collective security. So if one Warsaw Pact member state was attacked, the other member states would help to defend it. So its principle or its guiding principle was the same as NATO's. Um, The original members were the USSR, East Germany, Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Bulgaria and Albania. Um, And Yugoslavia, though, however, did not join, which kind of indicated its independence from the rest of the Eastern Bloc. Um, So it it was established very much in response to the establishment of NATO, but really primarily as well, or perhaps more immediately, um, it was created because of West Germany being allowed to join NATO. However, there was also, again, a bit like America having an advantage of being able to place its weapons in West Germany uh, Western Europe, sorry, the USSR, had there was an advantage for them, not just collective security. It really allowed um, the USSR to dominate those Warsaw Pact countries and allowed them to have more of a control over the foreign policy of the entire Eastern Bloc, um, not just the USSR. And in terms of the, the impact of this, thinking about the wider context of the Cold War, what we now have ended up with is two armed camps um, and and very much a front line of the cold war being established so that dividing line the the iron curtain that Winston Churchill described is now really a front a military front between two allied military camps and if we think about the evolution of the cold war and how it's uh, divided the world increase or increasingly divided the world over the last 10 years or so um, and something we've already talked about we had that you know the ideological difference that was really uh, really underpinned the separation between america and the ussr that was then added to politically with truman doctrine and common form you have the economic division that accompanied that with Marshall aid and comic con and now we've had another layer added to that which is the military division of the world very much allying, allying themselves into two armed camps so in that sense, it is another step that does increase tensions because it's another layer of division. And also this division has potential serious consequences because um, you know, a smaller military intervention, it's one nation will now drag in a huge number of countries, perhaps not dissimilarly to the alliance system in World War One, One country gets attacked. Suddenly three, four, five, six, seven other countries are being drawn into that, making a much broader con- uh, conflict if one were to break out. Um, I'm also going to talk about, very briefly, the fact that this is accompanied by uh, the development in the arms race. We will talk about the arms race and space race in a separate uh, podcast later, but worth mentioning here. So during the 50s, following the creation of NATO, you get the USSR testing its first atomic bomb in 1949. That's then upped by the USA, who tests its first hydrogen bomb in 1952. The USSR hot on their heels test their own hydrogen bomb in 1953, and by 1957, both the USSR and USA, USA sorry, uh, test their first intercontinental ballistic missiles. So missiles that are fire, able to fire from one continent to the other without the need uh, for slow-moving bombers. Um, and so, overall, the kind of consequences of the Berlin Blockade is, is to increase tensions and solidify the Division between East and West. Uh, particularly with the solidification or the formation of two separate German states. But also now we see that with NATO and the Warsaw Pact, these two military camps evolving, emerging, and also that being accompanied by an intensification of the arms race. All of this raising the stakes if there were to be a potential conflict in terms of the scale of that conflict, but also in terms of what nature that conflict would take. Because obviously now with the weapons they've developed, that could well be a highly destructive, um, catastrophic nuclear conflict. Next episode, uh, we will be looking at a next major uh, crisis to emerge, which is that of Hungary, before we look at uh, the Cold War and how it spreads to other parts of the world, in particular Asia. Thank you for listening.